Shadows to Life, Chapter 7, Reconnaissance, September 30th. The street was especially quiet, in spite of the large street below, which usually bustled with the movements of ordinary people living ordinary lives. This stillness, however, merely sharpened Damien's turbulent heart, which was anything but quiet. He finally turned away from the edge of the apartment on which he stood, and the stupid building which he'd been staring at all day. Daniel's church, where the prelate not only worked, but held a ministry. He snorted in disgust over his shoulder, still thinking about the affected exterior of it, with its large, welcoming double doors and giant bay windows that wrapped around the outside, the white paint job that seemed to think it made it more pure or holy. And what was with the huge cross on the front? Wasn't that a bit much? The building was one big lie. And it wasn't worth thinking about, really. Damien pulled out his disposable cell phone and checked the time. 8.30. No wonder he was so hungry. Not that he thought for a moment that his growling stomach was the reason he was so irritable, so upset. Nor could he put the blame on the pretentious building he'd had to stare at all day. No, it was because he'd made no progress. Eleven days straight he had followed Daniel, and not once had the prelate put himself in a position of vulnerability. Hell, vulnerability seemed a pipe dream at this point. Damien would be happy just to have a place to do battle without fifty cops showing up. Can I catch one break? If Leech's explanation and Howard's warning were to be believed, then there was no way he would be able to get close enough to kill Daniel without the guy sensing him, or Leech rather, from a mile away. An easy assassination was out of the question. So the problem is, he said aloud, how do I get him far enough away to make my move? Or at least make an attempt before my thirteen days are up? Demon had been speaking to no one in particular, but of course Leech still answered him in his usual taunting manner. Still haven't figured it out? Damien rolled his eyes in response. He just said as much, hadn't he? Why don't you just go attack him now? He's alone, is he not? Damien scowled suspiciously, but took the bait. Because you just told me yesterday that inside the church is where his powers are most powerful, or whatever, and mine most weak. Were you lying? Again? No, I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. Teeth gritted, Damien sat squatting on the edge of the building opposite Daniel's ministry and pulled out a cheeseburger from his black cargo pants. It didn't take long for his curiosity to overcome his annoyance at his shadow. Why is that? he asked, then took a large bite. Why is what? Damien sighed and tilted his head back, his mouth full of delicious meat and cheese. Don't be obtuse, he spat through his food. He was being churlish and he knew it, but he had to show his displeasure somehow. He swallowed. Why are his powers stronger in the church while mine are weaker? Does God exist? he asked his voice laced with sarcasm. Don't be stupid. Well, then what is it? It's complicated. Damien finished off his burger and threw the wrapper on the ground. 
He was getting tired of Leech's BS attitude of superiority. Try me. It has to do with the energy created by his belief in... You know. Damien frowned. His belief creates energy? Basically, yes. I told you it was complicated. Damien nodded both at the comment and the explanation. It definitely made more sense than the power coming from some invisible man in the clouds. I guess that's all I really need to know. Now I just need to figure out how to separate Daniel from his environment. You need a pretense. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Damien shook his head as he pulled out a small flat bottle of vodka from an oversized duffel coat pocket. You're welcome, dimwit. Let me know if you need any more help. Damien took a swig of vodka. Pfft. I'll let you know if you actually help. <laughs> he chuckled. Stating the obvious doesn't count. You're the one drinking an intoxicant when you might encounter a mortal enemy. Damien took another defiant swig, but put the bottle away, back inside his coat pocket. It's cold outside, he said, with a pretend shiver. Not that cold, it isn't. What would you know about cold? You don't even feel it. Nodding at the truth he found in his own statement, Damien took the bottle back out again, but the grease from the cheeseburger made it slip from his fingers. The plastic bottle bounced off the ground, but didn't break. Picking up the bottle, he was dusting off the little bits of dirt that had stained the outside when he noticed the small dent in the bottom corner of the container. Aha! he said triumphantly. Damien raised his hands like he had just scored a goal in front of thousands of cheering fans. He was feeling the booze already. What? I know my pretense. Damien looked over the edge of the small, three-story apartment building on which he stood, checking to make sure no one was around. But not a sound could be heard, nor even a shadow of a person could be seen. He jumped off, blinked to the ground, and landed without a sound, pulling up the hood on his duffel coat as he jogged lightly across the street and down the small hill into the oversized church parking lot. Leech waited for him to take cover in the shadow of the hill before speaking. Which is? What? You haven't figured it out yet? Damien couldn't keep the self-satisfied smile off his face, nor the taunting intonation from his voice as he surveyed the area, once more checking for witnesses. Just tell me, meatbag. You'll see, parasite, Damien said, his voice a whisper now that they were so close to the church and Daniel. He headed over to Daniel's car and stood in front of it. It was the same old Japanese sedan he'd seen him get in repeatedly the last eleven days in a row. Damien frowned down at the vehicle. Why did the leader of the entire Vancouver sect of the vassals drive such an old piece of crap? Howard got the newest, most expensive Mercedes every year. Seeing his boss's counterpart in this light really took away from some of his mystique. He was just a normal dude, after all. Damien held his apathy for Daniel's choice of vehicles solidly in his mind. The wrath he summoned from it came even easier than usual. He focused on his hatred as Leech siphoned power into him. A cold, slithering snake of energy crept into Damien's muscles, and he could feel them grow dense, powerful. Unsurprisingly, wrath had been one of the easiest powers for Damien to learn 
besides his specialty of envy. It was such an easy emotion for him to tap into. All he had to do was recall something that made him really mad. And he had plenty of those kinds of memories from high school, not to mention Juvie, from which to draw on. I see what you're doing. What if he is an alarm, imbecile? Damien could only shake his head and answer. This wasn't like when he summoned small amounts of wrath during battle. Keeping this much power charged was difficult. He couldn't speak and keep the needed concentration at the same time. But the reason Damien wasn't worried about an alarm was that Daniel had never turned one on. Not once in all the time that Damien had been following him. Which meant that either Daniel didn't have one, or he just didn't turn it on because he believed in his fellow man. The thought made Damien even angrier, feeding more energy into his wrath powers and body. Finally, he didn't think he could take in any more power without his muscles bursting apart, an unfortunate side effect for those without the willpower to stop. He pulled back from Leech's fury-fueled channeling and, fully charged, sprinted at the car, growling with unbridled anger. He jumped only a couple of meters in front of the car and landed on the hood, planting both feet with inhuman strength. Damien stomped down on impact and backflipped more than two car lengths away, feeling the hood crumple beneath him as he sprung into the air. The angle was perfect. He could see it before he even approached. Also that, luckily, there were no footprints where he'd stomped. He smiled at it, out of breath but immensely proud of his work. It really looked like it had been hit by another car, at least as far as Damien could tell. He didn't have a driver's license, after all. Better get going. Someone will probably come and check on the noise. Damien nodded and pulled out his receipt from McDonald's. He wrote sorry above his burner's cell phone number and slipped it under the windshield wiper. Good enough. Now flee. Quickly. Damien blinked forward into the shadow of a tree on the edge of the parking lot before looking back to see if someone was coming. He waited for a few minutes, but no one appeared. I guess no one heard. Imbecile! You don't know that! Why are you waiting? Someone could be sneaking up on you right now. You're not the one with sensory powers. Now go! Ugh. With an inward groan at Leech's paranoia, Damien pulled his hood down, freeing up his peripheral vision. But even though there was no one to be seen, ice water filled his belly. He could feel eyes on his back, like he was being watched. Panic set in. Why hadn't he just listened to Leech like normal? Why had he chosen now of all times to be prideful? In quick, successive blinks, Damien teleported himself across the road, and then, story by story, back up onto the safety of the roof. He crouched near the corner, where shadows from a cedar tree covered his location. But even from the sanctuary atop the apartment building, it still felt like there were eyes on him. Eyes that could see through the shadows in which he lay. Crouched, Damien put his hand on Zlish and drew his sword silently. His eyes darted back and forth like a mouse that doesn't know where the cat has gone. He pulled out a homemade throwing spike from a holster located inside a large jacket pocket and ready to be thrown at a moment's notice. But nothing came. Time seemed to stand still. And when Damien finally put his sword away, his arm ached from lack of movement. He 
He had no idea how much time had passed. Ka! A crow landed on the edge of the building, scaring him so badly that he reacted before he even registered what the animal was. The crow disappeared over the railing as Damien's throwing spike hit it directly in the face with a small crunch. He knew the animal would never survive, even if he hadn't drilled holes into the tips of all his spikes and filled them with poison, a trick he'd learned from Saito-sensei, along with adding ribbons to the ends so they flew straighter. The bird hit the ground below and Damien heard a young woman shriek. The crow must have fallen near a pedestrian. Time to feed. Damien hated to admit it, but Leech was right. Again. The very act of feeding would incapacitate and silence the victim, and he never knew when Daniel might show up. Best to keep himself and Leech topped up. Damien blinked down directly behind the girl as she stood over the fallen bird. Once again he summoned Wrath and wrapped a bionic arm around the young woman's neck before dragging her back towards the shadows. But, before he got two steps, the girl touched his hand and sent a hunger so powerful through his body that it took his breath away and almost made him drop to his knees. If it hadn't been for years of training, and a couple of close calls at the hands of some of the other siphons at the center, he probably would have gone down and out. As it was, it just stopped him in his tracks. But that was enough. Suddenly, Damien was flying up and over her shoulder to land directly on his back. The wind exploded from his lungs, and up he looked into Scratch's face. She looked as horrified as he felt. Damien! she shouted, but he was no longer there. Damien had kicked up and teleported behind her, thrusting a hand into his pocket to retrieve another poison-throwing spike. He held it under her chin. What are you doing here? Did you follow me? Who put you up to this? The spike at Scratch's throat seemed to bother her less than the accusations, and when she answered, her voice shook only with emotion. I was just trying to watch your back. Why are you so paranoid? No one put me up to this, she answered in quick succession. Damien looked over his shoulder at the church. They were exposed, and he couldn't see over the small decline where Daniel's car lay. Their most dangerous enemy could be approaching them at this very moment. I don't need your help, Scratch. Get out of here, he growled, and blinked past the corner of the building. He pressed his body against the edge, looking back, in case Daniel had heard the commotion. Scratch reached down and pulled out his throwing spike from the crow almost reverently. The bird must have been a spy of hers. And he'd killed it. Serves her right for following you. She might have cost you your life had Daniel been nearby. It was true, but still, for some reason, he felt bad about it. Damien looked up, searching the apartment windows for possible onlookers, but there was no telling who might have seen their little squabble. All of the rooms with open shades were dark and impossible to see inside. Once again, he decided it was better to retreat to the safety of the high ground and teleported up, story by story. He landed on each balcony for half a moment to catch his breath before going on to the next. Normally it would be easy for him, but all the strain of going back and forth, combined with the fact that Daniel could be anywhere by now looking for him, only added to the strain. By the time he reached the top, he was breathing hard for the first time since his training session with Saito. Scratch popped over the railing on the front side of the building only moments after Damien reached the top. How'd you get up here? he asked, annoyed. You can't teleport. 
A small smile played across her lips, but she didn't bother to answer his question. Damien, I'm trying to help you here. Just tell me what you're doing. It's none of your fucking business, he said, incredulous that she had even asked. Get out of here. Damien, I swore that I'd stay by you until I saved your life. Like you did mine. She spoke with far too much affection for Damien's comfort. There was a lot more going on here than a simple blood debt, if that could be called simple at all. He chuckled uncomfortably. You're going to stay next to me until someone tries to stick fireworks up my butt. You might be waiting a while. Scratch shook her head. She didn't like it when he made light of what happened that night. You know that's not what I meant. Now it was Damien's turn to shake his head. There wasn't time for this. Scratch, I never saved your life. They wouldn't have killed... Yes, they would have, she interrupted. Why don't you want my help? What did I ever do to you that you hate me so much? She's lying. No one could be that thick. Damien's eyes narrowed. You really even need to ask? I was almost killed like ten times after I saved you. Burns, 69, even Fiddy all took it as a sign of weakness. How is it my fault that you saved me? Scratch asked. She threw her hands in the air in disgust. Quieter! Damien covered her mouth. Hard. Keep your voice down, he hissed. But the gesture that was meant to put her in her place only seemed to make her smile. She melted slightly and nodded. He let go, but reluctantly. That smell again of coconut and blueberries... And why was his heart still racing? Leech seemed to read his thoughts. My word, you're out of shape. Yeah, that's it, he thought, and finally stepped back and away, forcing his unwilling body to pull away from what it wanted. Why did you have to find me, Scratch? Why did you join the organization? Because I want to be with you, to return the favor, she added, momentarily forgetting herself. She just wants to use you. Damien laughed at her. No, you don't. Scratch's eyebrows shot up. Apparently calling her a liar was too far. I don't, she said, more challenged than actual question. He frowned at her loud voice, but didn't rise to the bait. Instead, he just shook his head. No, you don't. If you did, then you wouldn't have told everyone about me saving you. Especially not after I told you not to. I didn't know at the time. I thought you were being modest, and I never... Scratch was interrupted by Damien's phone. He pulled it out and looked at the caller ID. He didn't recognize the number. Damien, Scratch began, looking miserable. He held up a finger in her face and shot her a warning look not to speak. Of course Daniel phones at the worst possible time. But there was nothing for it. He hit the talk button. Hello? Yes. Hello, is this the person who hit my car? Yes, Damien said, pretending to be relieved. I'm so sorry about that. If you're sorry, you should have left your insurance information. Daniel sounded stern, but not unkind. How pathetic, after what Damien had done. I know, Damien lied, trying to keep from laughing. I was about to when I looked down and saw that my insurance had just expired only a week ago. I'm so sorry, I... I put the renewal reminder on the fridge, but I guess I forgot. Well, 
That's not going to do me any good, now is it? I'll pay you in cash. Only problem is, I live out in Surrey. Damien knew just where he wanted to meet, too. Fine, fine. I guess that means that I have to drive out to Surrey. I'd go back to that church, but my car is making some funny noises, and I'm not sure if I'll even make it home. The lie came easily from years of practice at the crisis center. Fine. Text me your address. Will do. And sorry for the inconvenience. Damien chuckled awkwardly like he was embarrassed and hung up. Scratch peered down at Damien's phone. Who is that? You don't drive. It's none of her affair. You need to remedy this repugnant infatuation quickly. Or else, if she continues to meddle... Stay the hell away from me, Scratch. I don't love you or even like you. If you come near me again outside the crisis center, I'll just save myself some trouble and fix my reputation. Got it? Scratch nodded, turning her head so that he wouldn't see the pain he'd caused. But he didn't care. Damien leapt off the edge of the building, smiling for the first time that night. Useless mongrel bitch. Damien landed from his blink and flipped up the hood on his duffel coat. Probably the most truthful thing you've said tonight. Thank you so much for listening once again. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob V. Johnson to find out when I post the latest chapter and interact with me. And now, to any of you who stuck with me throughout the time after I lost my possessions in an apartment fire, I give you my most sincere thank you. It absolutely means the world to me, and please let me know who you are on Twitter or Facebook. As a thank you, I'm hoping to do a contest. Please stay tuned for details. See you next time.